It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm down on the River Usk and looking upstream from a set of rapids and across the water from me, across the water where duck is just landing as a heron just brooding thinking about breakfast perhaps there's a light rain falling but there's also fish rising so there's lots of little concentric circles and it's a beautiful morning out in the, in the may countryside welcome to the podcast the nature and countryside podcast from bbc country farm magazine and my name is fergus collins i'm the host of the podcast and today's escape into wild britain is also set on a river, but not from the banks. For the first time, we're getting out onto a canoe. And our dear friend Annabelle Ross is heading out with Bevis Watts, who's a beaver expert, among many things. And they are setting out on the River Avon, not far from Bath, to find a surprising population of beavers. So, without giving anything away, this is a truly fantastic waterborne adventure and it's just it's just a marvel this may is a beautiful time to be out and annabelle has captured just just the essence of early morning in may brilliant adventure great story hope you enjoy it and for now this is the last in our wild britain series we're coming back to wild britain a bit later in the year uh, but we're going to turn our hand to something different for the next few weeks where we've been invited out to lots of farms and food producers to talk about food, wildlife, biodiversity, farming, all those things that are important in what makes up the British countryside, why we love it, and the stuff we need to do to preserve it. Anyway, lots of great stories coming. We're calling it A Taste of the Countryside, and I hope you enjoy that. But for now, let's head out onto the River Avon and this amazing adventure to find wild beavers in Britain. Mm. 
ten past five in the morning <laughs> and we've just got on the Avon River east of Bath. It's a little bit dank and misty after heavy rainfall and uh, just about 20 metres from where we started you can already see the first sign of beaver activity because up ahead on the left there's some stripped willow they've stripped the bark and you can see it's lovely white golden flesh as we scare off some geese <laughs> by accident and uh, on rivers like this they have a sort of territorial range of maybe four kilometers or so um, and that's roughly the area of river that I've been surveying and stuff over the last year um, I mean, as you say, you're not a beaver ecologist, although you're very knowledgeable about beavers. You're actually the CEO of a bank. <laughs> so what, what brings you into the world of beaver surveying? Well, I used to be a CEO of the Avon Wildlife Trust. And colleagues at the Trust uh, had been getting reports of signs of beaver activity on this river. Uh, and... Um, they asked me to get out in my kayak and, and see if I could sort of get actual sightings of beavers. So, um, yeah, that's what I spent a considerable amount of time trying to do to get photos of them and set camera traps to... When did, you, when did that start? So it started exactly a year ago. Uh, it was May 2021, um, which uh, wasn't the best month to survey beavers because it was the wettest May on record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness it's not the wettest May on record today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been hugely rewarding in many ways ever since, because, as you can tell, listen, it's just a beautiful time of the day to be on the river. And uh, we'll have to be very, very quiet in a minute as we come into the area where they're most likely to be active. But um, it's just a magical time of day to be out and listen to the birdsong and... Mm. see all sorts of other wildlife as well mm, it is magical it's a lovely temperature as well I mean I've read some of your book Bevis that is um, about your experience on this river with the beavers didn't it, it seems like it sort of slightly saved you at the time, is that right? Uh, well the, I, I was taking a month off because seeing a bank through Brexit and the pandemic and so on is a pretty exhausting thing to do with your life but um, I think generally just running a very fast growing successful business take, takes its toll and you need some time to recover from that so uh, uh, when I was taking time off the pandemic restrictions were still in place so whereas I might normally have gone away and stayed somewhere and things I, I couldn't do that so I just um, was very fortunate that uh, Amy Coulthard and uh, Julie Doherty at the Haven Wildlife Trust sort of asked me to do this and gave me this amazing opportunity to connect with a, a local landscape in a different way and have an adventure all of a different kind that just proved, yeah, hugely um, nourishing and, uh, uh, and restorative. At this point, uh, they're within about an hour of going to bed. And they could be here, but they will be heading back closer to where they live. So I, I've never, 
really seen them on this stretch of the river, but in a very short while we'll keep stealthily quiet and uh, enter the area of the river where I think they're most likely to be at this time of the morning. Upsetting that goose. No, no, they weren't. They were just um, flying up river, making a racket, calling for the mate. Now, I think. Yeah. So on our on our right hand side is is an enormous willow that's come down in a storm last autumn, and. Uh, you can see that ever since, and quite a lot recently, the beavers have been visiting it. So there's lots of very bright, sort of white and golden, fleshy uh, exposed wood where they strip the bark. And there's lots of coppiced, very short, stunted growth on the willow. Um, and it's perfect because they can just stay in the water. Look at that bit where they've gone almost through it. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lovely V-shape in that branch where they've been <laughs> chomping through and it hasn't split yet, but at some point it will give way. And that, that's what they do. It, so long as there's some continuity of the branch, if it's at 45 degrees in the water, it, it sprouts roots and, and they, you get regrowth. So the beavers are effectively um, you know, constantly creating their own habitat and their own um, feeding stations that suit their needs. But it doesn't just suit them, isn't that right? It suits quite a, quite a lot of other wildlife, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the camera traps that I was putting out um, all through last summer caught a huge array of other wildlife using these feeding stations. So the, the root systems that spring off the branches not only filter the water, but, you know, I've seen swans feeding on them. They become fish nurseries. The camera traps were constantly being triggered by damselflies and dragonflies. And the range of birds that use... Um, the feeding stations to, to drink and so on is, is incredible. I mean, you've got the heron and the kingfisher, as you'd expect, but just the range of bird life that comes down and uses the low-lying willow limbs to, to drink and so on was incredible to witness. We're in a landscape here that is dissected by road, by railway, by canal, by cycle paths. So, and this is a river that's been you know, in its day, heavily interfered with by man. Uh, a lot of the riverbanks have been engineered and heavily grazed by cattle and so on. So um, the fact they're here in amongst civilization and apparently thriving for me is a hugely inspiring thing. Uh, and they're not, um, yes, they're changing the riverbank and the river landscape slowly, but um, but not in a detrimental way or a way that affects us. And the fact they've, you know, apparently been here for several years from the evidence gathered on the cameras shows that you know, we, we can live in fairly close proximity to them and, and in some degree of harmony. And uh, yeah. about 400 years ago, beavers disappeared from our landscapes hunted for a variety of reasons, primarily their fur and pelts, also because of 
mythical properties, their their castoreum, the the, the the substance they produce from their scent glands um, uh, has, and the, the, yeah, I mean, they were thought to be uh, competitors to man because they ate fish. Of course, they don't eat fish; they're entirely <laughs> vegetarian. Um, so, yeah, but uh, also because people were trying to um, uh, propagate land for agriculture, and um, you know, beavers. Uh, do have impacts on the landscape and, and flood uh, some areas and so on. So uh, it's it's important in this age, as they come back wild, that we also need to just take sensible, practical measures to manage uh, their existence as well. And it can be easily done. It's been done in other European countries. It's the train. It's very conscious of the train. Um, yeah, the train is, is, is picking up the train quite loudly. Um, do you know... Uh, do you know the, the the size of the beaver family that we're hoping to find today? So, uh, by my reckoning, from everything I caught on the camera traps and also saw with my own eyes, I think there are at least seven individuals in this family uh, seven. here last year. Yeah, because there was a, two adults, a male and a female, three newborn kids, and with my own eyes, I um, saw. Are two yearlings together, uh, and I caught the year, uh, a yearling on camera footage um, several times. It's, it's very obviously a yearling because it's literally a half-size adult. Um, so in that, in that, the burrow uh, or lodge where they live, they, uh, there were at least seven last year. So it's for certain that they are going to spread along this river as those other beavers mature and so on. And you've only seen evidence of one lodge. Yeah, I, there is another place um, much further up the river. I suspect there is a second, uh, but uh, it's it's a long paddle to get to it. <laughs> so I I haven't had any opportunity to go and leave cameras there and confirm that. But uh, I I think they're well established on this river, and they've been here for several years without anybody really appreciating it or noticing it and it's the extent of their activity that I think has escalated in the last couple of years that means people have started to uh, become aware. It's nice to be accompanied by these ducks isn't it? The wildlife all around us is incredible. I've had fantastic encounters with barn owl at dawn and (gasps) uh, buzzards and uh, woodpeckers and yeah um, bullfinches, even seen a roe deer grazing the riverbank once and looking back at me rather startled as I cruise by. Gosh, how beautiful. The bit we're coming into now I, I nickname Beaver Alley because this is where this time of the morning I've often seen them. So it's a bit windy so it's difficult to be quiet because you've got to paddle fairly hard, but we, uh, we'll just go through this section for about a kilometre as silently as we can and hope we're lucky.
So I love this bit of the river because this is this is their home. This is where they live. And there's signs of extreme beaver activity everywhere. We've just passed a felled tree that's blocking part of the river, but the beavers didn't actually do that. It's just when the river gets very low, I've seen some trees just their root ball sort of gives way in the dried out riverbank and they collapse, but the beavers actually seem to clear it. <laughs> so rather than blocking the river, they seem to do the job of then consuming virtually all of the tree. Uh, that, tree that tree over there? That's the one that's recently fallen over. And then um, we're coming up to another one on the left that fell over last year. <laughs> you can see what's left of it is, is not much at all. And you're saying that's a good thing? Well, uh, the, you know, I, I think it shows that they um, they can certainly play a, a, a role in keeping our rivers clear, but, um, you know, it's not scientific, is it, that that's a, a common benefit. But uh, I certainly don't see them felling trees and blocking the river. Uh, but where big trees have come down, they've come down in storms or, uh, or because they've dried out in the riverbank. So that tree behind us that's across the river, that would mean that boats can't get through, right? Yeah, it means, it means any, a motorboat of any size couldn't get through at the minute, but uh, that was the same last summer when this tree here came down, and as you can see, I mean, there's hardly anything left of it now because the beavers have tidied it all up. So. Um, I'm just coming close to the riverbank. I spotted some things that. Uh... So you can see here on the left, look, there's lots of piles of sticks. It's not. It's not their lodge. It's not, but it's just just upriver from their lodge. But uh, but that's them making that sort of a more accessible bit of river, and it could well be that's concealing a second entrance. Because that's what they do. They're, they're engineers, they're builders. So they're building with sticks and, and mud and things the whole time. But, uh, but they've created that sort of pile of sticks horizontally tucked into the riverbank. And I suspect that's concealing another entrance, possibly. Um, so this is what I spotted, and well, So look at that for a piece of driftwood. Completely bare. Completely bare. They stripped it all of its bark. It's this beautiful white golden colour. But um, but you see, every this would have been you know quite a sizable branch. It's um, a good few inches across. But every branch and stem from it's been stripped into a pencil point, and you you can see the teeth marks. Oh gosh. Okay. Now I can see it. Sorry, I couldn't quite turn around. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. Like a giant pencil. Yeah, <laughs> lots of pencil points and vivid teeth marks. So amazing. Push us, push, push us back. Where's your head? Yeah. There we are. Sorry, but I thought you ought to see a little bit of. Uh... Oops, hang on. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you amazing. Get, you get very used to looking for beaver activity and looking for paw prints and placing camera traps. You get very used to sort of buffeting in and out of willow trees. <laughs> How many, camera, how many cameras have you got on the river? Generally, I'll, I'll have two or three out at any one time and just and, and try and rotate them. And who, who's, the, 
who's the footage for? Well, I mean, now I'm only going to do it briefly to see if there are kits again this year. So last year, the footage was for the Wildlife Trust to try and understand a bit about the population and get actual evidence that they were here. And we never expected at all to pr prove that they were actually here successfully breeding and that they had young the year before as well. So uh, that was quite some find. Um, but now, really, the only purpose is just to see if they've got young this year and then... Uh, um, so this is, this is their... Uh, lodge or, or burrow. Technically, I think it's a burrow. They burrowed into the side of the riverbank and then built protections over it. But yeah, it's, it's an enormous pile of um, of sticks that they've stripped the bark off and eaten, and then used to uh, create a roof, I think, to an underground um, or an underwater entrance. It must take a really long time to build that. You'd think so. Uh, although I've got camera footage that shows them chomping through quite large branches in next to no time so they cut through things incredibly quickly but you would think for an animal of that size and how awkward it must be to haul sort of 10 foot logs and everything else it must take them quite a long time but I have footage of them sort of patting down mud on, on the riverbank with their hands their hands are quite dexterous very almost human like and you see them hanging onto the branches or holding a very thin branch as it, it gnaws on it like a you know like a little snack yeah. So if you um, if you just look dead ahead, then mind your head on the willow. If I just try and push us under this willow branch, you'll actually see lots of smudgings and claw marks on the mud bank. And I mean, in my experience, it's very hard to find a sort of um, proper a beaver paw print because their tails uh, are so adept at smudging out their traces. <laughs> But, um, but you can see there where they're going up and down the, the riverbank and the claw marks as they go in and out. Yeah, very definitely a beaver path, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, when you get your eye in, uh, it took me a while to really um, understand what to look for, but, uh, but it's, it's unmistakable. So. Oh, look behind you. The sun's just come up over this garden. Gosh, how beautiful. Oh, look, and the swan is back the again. The mist and your friends here. He doesn't want to leave us. And you can now see the insects starting to buzz in the sunlight. The surface of the river really comes alive now. So, just right in front of us though, your friend the swan, look what it's feeding on. Uh -huh. so It's feeding on the submerged willow, so it's, it's actually stood on a submerged willow branch and is, um, is feeding on the, the like red filamentous roots or the algae that then grows and is attracted to those roots. So, just a small example of that whole habitat that the beavers create. So, Bevis, you've written this book. I feel like it's about your journey of discovery on the river. It is. The, book, the book's called River Journey, and I never intended to write a book, but I was writing reports of what I was finding on the river uh, and sending them to the, the, the Wildlife Trust. But 
what it made me realise is, is just writing about it kept it alive. Uh, and so it was keeping my mind back on the river. So even after some time off, when I was still coming out on the river, um, it, it was a way of bringing it back to life and keeping me there. So it's partly a book that's sharing the joy of the adventure of finding and getting to know this wild beaver family, but it's partly also a story about the importance of nature and well-being from my personal experience and, you know, the restorative impact the adventure had on me. Um, and then I, I've also worked in sustainability for 25 years, so I overlay some stories and thoughts about things that get in the way or things we need to change and do to just um, really take the environmental crises we, uh, we face seriously and uh, take much more drastic action. But not everybody wants beavers, do they? No, absolutely. I mean, as you can see, beavers have quite an effect on the landscape. I mean, on a river, it's minimal because they're not going to dam this. They're, they have a large body of water they feel safe in. But, you know, they, they are felling trees, they're coppicing trees. Um, and actually, if you look on the, the right-hand side, as we go up here, there's two trees. One, the, these are birch trees, not willows. So they've cut through one and it's toppled and split as, as they've cut through its base and uh, it's 45 degrees down the riverbank but about six meters back or so from the riverbank is is another one that they've almost cut through the bottom the tree's still standing but you know it, it looks like an, an hourglass <laughs> it could oh the one up on the bank yeah it, yeah it could fall in theory at any moment it could fall on a person it could fall on a sheep so that's why you know with, with beavers and back we, we need to I think recognise the benefits they bring that properly um, but properly fund conservation organisations to help manage their spread and work with landowners because it, it is preventable um, you could sort of sand paint the bottom of those trees and that would deter the beavers from, um, from attacking them but There's quite a lot of um, humans trying to sort of uh, go out of their way to avoid nature and natural animals coming into the landscape. It's quite, it's quite a worry, isn't it? I mean, you know, we have to learn to live alongside them because they're doing so much good, but we tend to not... I mean, I know there are a lot of people who are very worried about beavers. Farmers, perhaps. I don't know if it's just farmers. Fishermen, but they, they, they must know that beavers don't eat fish. Um, yeah, so some of it's... I think education and awareness, because uh, I think some people do still believe beavers eat fish when they're vegetarian, but, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't, in my view, and, uh, you know, there, there are, there's the Beaver Trust and many others who are more expert in this and have looked at all of the projects internationally, you know, beavers can have significant impacts, and so um, we need landowners to be aware, and some won't be... Uh, bothered at all some will welcome them with open arms and others will need support in thinking well how do you protect your crops sorry i just saw a beaver <laughs> did you see it yeah <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> at the same time as a really loud train <laughs> I just saw him swimming along, or her, and then I'm sorry, I made a noise I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. And she flipped. Did you see her? Him? I, I did. 
That's Sod's Law as a train passes. There's a beaver right next to us. So it's up really late. It's amazing. It's, that was so exciting. But then if we keep quiet, I'm turning the canoe around to go back up river because somewhere it's resurfaced, Annabelle. Look ahead of you. Look ahead of you. Straight ahead under that willow tree on the left. The beaver's moving. It's swimming under that under that tree. Do you see it? Look. Up ahead on the left. Way up. Yeah, yeah. It's just swimming up the riverbank on its way home. swimming mid-river, looking right at us. <gasps> there we go. It's gone under. Oh, where is it going to come up? There it is, right in the middle by the reef bed. <gasps> Is that into the lodge? So it's just swum into the lodge area and it, here we are, it's duck dived under the tumbling willow and it will go into the underwater entrance. But of course, it's Murphy's law that the second you get a tail slap, a huge tail slap, just to the right of the canoe, <laughs> uh, to warn us off and so on, then the train went past. Honestly, it was such a loud train. Did you see the beaver taking a quick nibble of a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, it, it, so once it got on the right side of the riverbank and was close to home, it wasn't at all alarmed that we were here. So it just stopped and had a quick nibble on some willow. What a sighting that was, because it crossed over the river in front of us. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, incredible. I, I'm so pleased, because that's a fantastic sighting. It really is. Um, to see to see one swimming only sort of 10 metres away from us and, and to just calmly go up the riverbank. But, uh, but yeah, when, when you get a tail slap, that's what you have to do, is just hang silently on the river. Uh, and they will re-emerge at some point, but you, you'll now get a sense you really have to have a tuned eye because when it re-emerged, it was sort of tucked up under that willow tree. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what we were talking about, but it was suddenly there. Oh, my God, it was so exciting. I'm so happy you've got to see a beaver. I can't believe it. Thank you so much. But yeah. My pleasure. It's a beaver that's up quite late, so it's obviously uh, obviously yeah. hungry. But um, Right. Yeah. And it's about time it would have been going to bed anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite late to be going to bed, isn't yeah. it? 
But as you say, yeah, it was quite small, the head, was it? Yeah, I would say that's a yearling mm. because uh, I've seen the adults and managed to photograph them swimming like that in the river and uh, that was quite, um, uh, yeah, about half size beaver, so I'd say one of the yearlings. Like any youth, very hungry, <laughs> staying up late for some munchies. <laughs> yeah, been out all night, typical. <laughs> I. I mean, I know that beavers, there's, they're, I mean, they're still quite controversial. They're still just coming in back into Britain, but um, they do. Am I right in saying they do create an incredible habitat for other wildlife that might not survive? Would that be fair? Yes, I mean. I Others like the Beaver Trust and so on will know better than me and they're the ones monitoring the, the formal reintroductions. But you know, what I've been witness to on this river is they have you know, huge benefits to um, all sorts of wildlife that are using the, the, the habitat they create here as, as feeding stations or it's providing food for other species. So that's why they're called a keystone species, is because the, the landscape changes they bring about just create... Um, more uh, habitat um, for other wildlife. So, I mean, here, you know, it's unlikely they're, they're supporting necessarily the, the reintroduction of, of any species, but they will certainly be supporting an abundance and a, and a, a recovery of biodiversity in this landscape. So why would anyone not want beavers? To me, it sounds like it just makes complete sense. Why would we not want them back in this country? Well, I mean, you know, some of it is, is, is fear from myths, like people thinking they eat fish and everything else, but we've got to, you know, make sure and support their reintroduction that they have the right impacts on the right landscapes. I mean, they can be fantastic um, sort of mitigants of, uh, of climate change impacts because they can help store water, um, you know, upstream and high up in river catchments and, uh, and so on. But in the wrong place, you know, they, they, they do fell trees and they... Uh, can you know coppice uh, trees and so on so you know in the wrong place they can have big impacts on people's crops and that's why we need to fund programs to properly support their reintroduction and, uh, and engage landowners and educate people on what measures they can take and, and I've read up on beaver um, sort of management in Bavaria and other places where relatively simple measures like introducing flow devices to stop land flooding or to sand paint trees and things can all have an impact and you only need to do it in the areas that are most sensitive um, and also as we you know reinvent agricultural subsidies we need to be thinking about perhaps paying landowners to allow um, uh, beavers onto their land and to allow land use change um, in order to help restore biodiversity and, uh, and mitigate climate change. Well, um you just mentioned crops. What what do they do to? What's the damage they can do to crops? Well, by crops I meant sort of um, you know orchards and, uh, and and fruit trees and things. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah okay. Uh, yeah. Not. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or you know, it possibly if you were um, you know growing poplars for, uh, uh, for for matchstick making and things close to a riverbank and things, you could actually imagine the beavers would uh, would be very happy with you. <laughs> Look at the insect life uh, just to your left on the river. Yeah. What do you know? What fish are in here? 
Well, I don't know all the fish here, but I, know, I, I, I do know because I've sadly found a couple of um, a dead ones. Uh, that there's pike here, mm. so one of our biggest sort of um, river predators. I found a huge one once, almost as long as my leg, floating upside down in the river. Mm. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it, the otters are here and the otters are thriving and their favourite dish is eels, so there should be eels here, but you see lots of little fish jumping out of the river, um, probably, you know, away from the pike. You'd have to ask the local angling club about the variety oh, of there's a couple of fish. You don't really want anyone to know where these beavers are, is that right, Bevis? Well, I think it's become a... a you know, a, a, a sort of um, well-known secret that there's beavers on this river now. I meet um, paddleboarders and people in canoes all the time um, who are asking about the beavers if they see me photographing things and everything else. So it's it's well known they're on this stretch. Obviously, there's not everyone would recognise their their burrow entrance or uh, or, or lodge, um, and it's amazing. Most people pass sort of. The, the tumbling willows and stripped of their bark and don't realise the significance and what that means. Um, but uh, I, I think it's probably helpful until government policy is defined on beaver reintroductions and there's some protection provided that the exact location of where they are on this river stretch is not widely known. But, um, but the, the fact they're here and on the River Avon um, was widely covered in the media uh, in autumn last year. Uh, and I think doing so, you know, also provided a great moment of awareness and educating people on um, on beavers because it was very widely covered. So these sorts of fringing, you know, willow riverbanks um, just have so much life in them. And uh, around July time, I sort of um, saw the willow was full of little like wispy tents that are um, the ermine moth caterpillars and um, what I noticed was where the willow had been coppiced really much lower down and so it was more dense close down to the water level the the tents were more abundant and I guess well the higher the willow maybe the wind and other things get to them but uh, but it, it just looked like the beaver coppiced willow was creating this much more protective environment and you know that then provides food for so many more other creatures bats and birds and, and everything else but as we just drift through here all of this all of these willows that are kind of tumbling and part submerged and with short shoots all of these have been beaver coppiced and they just have all of this habitat and this selection as they go along the river now. So quite a long stretch. How long do you think is the stretch from where their lodge is either side? Presumably they go either side of the lodge. Yeah, I mean, the entire length they're active is um, at least um, four kilometres. Oh, really? I would say from my observations that they are only occasionally active at the very end of those territories because you can see where they've been coppicing or bark stripping but but they are also that there are other populations along this river in its tributaries they, they are definitely here and establishing themselves in other places so um, you know and the, the exciting thing is the uh, I forget the, 
the stats now because I've put them in the book. But I mean, the, the, the River Avon in total, you know, means they've got something like 80 kilometres of river to go and <laughs> uh, river and its tributaries to go and explore and establish itself on. So imagine the impact on biodiversity they can have. Fantastic. I think it's also about though just finding some inner peace and tranquility because just to be as we are now completely silent floating on a river uh, as we were when we saw the beaver really just just to be able to be hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And with that comes an end to the beaver adventure. And I think we all would like to thank Bevis for taking Annabelle out on that incredible trip. Just amazing to actually see a beaver. But before we talk any further, I'd like to say Annabelle has joined us in the virtual podcast studio with our regular contributors, Hannah and Jack, who helped me make the podcast. Hello, everybody. Lovely to see you. Hello. Hello. Hannah and Jack, who basically run the show, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really just I'm just a voice on the end of a stick, whereas they are real people, real people doing good hard work. Um, so thanks for that, Annabelle. It was so nice <laughs> to see you. And, um, <laughs> and join us again next week. <laughs> yeah, but you podcast. can't wait to have me back. I'm very excited. Uh, Sorry, it's my first, so I'm very excited. I, I'll I'll try and behave. Mm. It's really good to see you. That was what uh, we've we've been playing. I mean, I've obviously listened to the whole thing. Jack and Hannah have been hearing some of the highlights. You you saw the great the beaver. You actually saw one in the wild on the River Avon. And not just that. I think the other thing that's so amazing, Fergus, is that there aren't that many beavers that are actually wild that we know of because they're all kind of introduced, aren't they, at the moment? So. Um, these are escapees. These beavers are escapees and we don't really know from where. And um, so, yeah, it was, I think when you hear it, you'll realise how extremely exciting it was. I mean, I couldn't contain myself, which was lovely. It was just such a surprising moment. Well, that's incredible. That, that The train goes by. <laughs> the, <laughs> yes. But above the sound of the train, we hear... <laughs> We hear the the sort of oh my oh my god or whatever it was you said, and he starts uh, a mild swearing. I'm sorry about that, listeners, but it was an extreme moment. And um, and just as I the really I, loud train came past, as you said, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. the train. There, there weren't that many trains on the trip, but that 
just at that moment and the, and then the train came past i screamed and and swore i think beaver swore <laughs> and the beaver did a big tail slap which we didn't quite capture so we he talked bevis talked about the t- um the beaver tail slap uh i've actually heard one of those in the wild in britain and it, it was like gunshot when i heard it in a in a secret cornish location where Again, I mean, we'll come back to this because, uh, but yeah, amazing! What a sequence! And then you 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 canoed up river or down down uh, down river down river with the beaver. Was well, it? no, up? because actually, no, up. You're right because we were coming back downstream. We were just floating back downstream, having ri- said, "Oh well, we're not going to see them." And I said, "Well, don't worry. That often happens on our podcast. We go looking for things and we never find them. So yeah, yeah. it's okay. We've just had a lovely trip, and the sounds are beautiful. I mean, I wasn't that worried about it, but we we went up, you know, early just as they were going to bed to try and watch them go to bed. And then he has this particular place that he calls Beaver Alley. And then we turn around. We actually had a cup of tea, and we slowly drifted." downstream with the current because it was quite it was quite high that day and that was it that was the end we were like oh well we'll just sort of go back and have a look at the lodge and do this other thing and then suddenly there it was so actually we we'd gone past its lodge so we turned around and followed it that was swimming back to its lodge so it did this wonderful thing where it was had to cross over the river in front of us to get to the lodge well it's it's an interesting location i know we aren't giving away the exact place on the on the river avon i am curious you say they're escapees it wasn't really you didn't really cover that in the chat with bevis but so no one knows where these beavers have come from no is it just a sort of mystery that they've turned up and people have started noticing them yeah i think there must be some nearby i'm trying to remember now I know there are some that were released into the Wiltshire Cotswold Water Park in Wiltshire, but within a fenced area, and which is much higher up in the sort of edge of the Avon catchment. I just, I don't think any have escaped, or certainly none have. There's certainly been no publicity about escape. So there, there are populations all over the country now, in the in the wild, in inverted commas, with all the sort of caveats of these aren't, you know, these these have come from captive populations but they're breeding and spreading it's almost like there's a sort of debate about should we have should we release beavers into the wild it's too late they're here they're out there yeah and i think it i i i can't i can't really imagine what it must be like if you're a farmer and you've got some precious trees on your farm and you find one morning that you know it's it's been felled by beaver um but there are very very simple ways of protecting trees well the the whole debate about Beavers, good or bad, uh, is I think you dealt with that. Bevis covered that really well. I think that was really interesting. But um, I was going to ask Jack and Hannah if you ever seen Beaver in the Wild. Not yet. On the list. None down in Gower? No. No, Not that I'm aware of. There might be some just hiding. Yeah, exactly. Jack, you're not far from the Avon where you live. No, I, the closest I've got is to uh, seeing quite a few beaver scouts, but uh, oh, right, oh, nice. <laughs> slightly different. <laughs> yeah, I think it's rather cute that the is it the junior level of of sort of scouts is called beavers, isn't it? Beavers are the uh, the youngest. There is a new younger section now, uh, and they they're squirrels. Squirrels, <laughs> excellent. That's you're involved nice. with that, though, aren't you? You're a you're a you're a scout leader. I am indeed. Or, yeah, that's so sweet. Absolute hats off. Beaver-shaped hats to to Jack for so it's a walk along the Avon somewhere near Bath, but beyond that we can't say any more. 
and they, they've escaped leave them alone <laughs> yeah that's it yeah they've escaped leave them alone can i just give you a quick factoid please do oh, yes please yeah. as far as we know there's never ever been beavers in ireland ever ever but that's interesting. Well, because okay. I have a friend over there and I said, oh, why don't we bring some, release some beavers into Ireland? And said, well, they've never been here. So you, that's a bit, that would maybe not work. A bit wrong. Yeah. A bit wrong. I'm very curious. The bird song you captured on that was amazing. It was just a proper dawn chorus on the river. So clear. Wonderful. I was counting the species. Bird song was absolutely Absolutely amazing, and the, and and I and I also loved the sound of the of the paddle in the water. I thought the whole thing was so beautiful, but sadly didn't see a kingfisher. But what we did see at the end after the recording, which was so beautiful, was nine ducklings with their mother. Oh, that's yay. a lot of little ducklings. I mean, there were little goslings as well, but they were sweet. But nine little ducklings, and the mum weirdly jumped out of the water and walked along the bank and left these nine going. <laughs> <laughs> and pike, there was no pike, dad pike. around. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the birds, the birds, and those, um, oh, the geese were amazing, the Canada geese, and yeah, and all the bird song that you would have recognised, Fergus, you probably heard me mm. mentioning you. I was really, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Was, it was epically good. So thank you so much. Um, what a wonderful adventure you've had. I wanted to ask Jack and Hannah, we, we always have a section of what have we been doing in the wild. Have you guys been out and about? Um, I've been staying up late hedgehog hunting, which has been rather delightful. Um, So we've got one hedgehog that we know of called Vivian, and they visit um, and eat the chicken food. So like clockwork, when the sun goes down, and I sort of, you can't really tell what things are. The light's very, very low. And then one of these sort of like dark lumps starts finding its way across the lawn hedgehog but they're huge like i think i i'd imagine them being a lot smaller like sort of i'm gesturing i realize this yeah. is really H- hannah's, <laughs> hannah's making like a, a, a grapefruit between, between yeah. a grapefruit and a melon yes and they're actually like watermelon sized huge you know larger than one might expect yeah. and yeah they're just brilliant um Reliable, Great, you've got stuff. hedgehogs in your garden. Yeah, Jack, how about you? you I think, wow. Recently, the most I've done is I think we mentioned it before. I was on the, my, my little trip with you, Fergus. Um, oh, that's right. We had a great adventure out in we Wentworth. We got, got out and about, and uh, that that was lovely. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was. Yeah, you can hear you can hear us in the in last week's episode. You can hear us chatting in the pub. Um, <laughs> I think we need more practice. I've got to say, we definitely need more practice about talking in the pub. Uh, so we'll be we'll be experimenting with that. Format I think to, get, to give us our credit, it's quite difficult having a conversation with those minimal people in the pub, and all of them knew we were around the corner recording, and there was some sort of weird <laughs> pressure. Of, yes, uh, to be interesting and funny. Yeah, <laughs> there's no pressure to be that. <laughs> the pub is your wild place. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've built this reputation of the clubs and pubs and up late. It's like seeing a badger in his natural habitat. It was, it was fantastic. It was really good to see him. I haven't actually been out very much, but I'm about to head out into the wilds of Scotland for some adventures. But I did have something who has raided. I had 
loads of baby leeks about to go in the ground and something came and tore them all apart last night and ate just the bottom white bits of each tiny baby leek. So none of them could be none of them could be saved. So something. That sounds badgery to me. What do you think? I think the damage wasn't quite as great as badger damage that I've seen in the past. I think I think maybe a little hedgehog or something like that has come in and or a rat. (laughs) So now one person who's been out, this is something just fabulous that we've been sent a sound of the week. Now regular listeners will know that we often call out to you to send us in some audio of beautiful things or even strange, weird things that you've heard and managed to catch on your phone. Uh, something lovely has, has appeared from Bob Ashington. It says, Hi, Fergus and the team. I love the podcast. Keep them coming. In relation to your recent podcast in the Sussex Woodland, please find attached a short recording I made earlier in May. A male nightingale singing in Dorset. On occasion, I've been lucky enough to hear four males singing simultaneously, but alas, there is only one in this recording. I hope you like it. Like it, Bob. I love this. <laughs> this is just so special. I'm going to play it for the whole team here. And because when Tanya, who isn't with us this week, recorded the Nightingales with singer Sam Lee uh, back in April, the Nightingale only peeped up a couple of times. It was marvellous, magical and wonderful. But listen to what Bob's recorded. So that was The Nightingale, recorded by Bob Ashington. And Bob, thank you. It's it's a song that's heard less and less around the country, but that is a really long, beautiful, sustained bit of just... Well, I mean, there's such an unusual, such a piercing, such a powerful voice. It's, well, it brings a little lump to my throat because I've it's years since I've heard them. And every time I hear them, I think how fragile and precious and rare it is. And it sort of makes me think I have to do a bit more to save them. For now, let's enjoy that one. Um, Bob sent us in some other recordings, but we're going to play those another time. So we love getting sounds of the week like that. Please do send them in. Very easy to record on your phone and send them to my email address, which is editor at countryfile.com. And we'll do our best to play them in the next available slot. But it just gives us We just love getting these little postcards from around the countryside and it gives us a little escape ourselves. And of course, please do leave likes, feedback, whatever you like on whichever podcast provider you use. It's all really helpful to us. So that's about it from this podcast. But before I go, I would like to thank, obviously, Annabelle. Brilliant, great adventure on the water, a waterborne adventure. And Bevis as well. And I know that Bevis has written a book about his experiences. You mentioned it in the podcast. Could you remind us what it's what it's called yeah he's written a book it's not it's you can pre-order it. it's not published yet until july i think but it's called river journey because 
When he was asked to do these surveys by the Avon Wildlife Trust, I believe, he was doing a lot of sort of diarising and reporting. I think he decided to turn it into a book. And it was, it's more, it's really sweet, actually. I have had had a look at it. And it's really lovely because it's about his journey of finding these beavers but it kind of saved because he's such a high powered you know kind of business person that actually it kind of saved him in a way I think because he got onto the river and he had this fantastic time and slowly slowly got to got to know these beavers it's a lovely story and all the proceeds are going to beaver charity to to towards you know conserving beavers as it were so the beaver trust and the avon wildlife trust it's all to do with that with with the beaver so it's really lovely yeah it's really lovely Mm? Uh, that's wonderful and um so it's called a river journey by bevis watts fantastic well there we have it beavers on the river avon who'd have thought thank you very much everybody and thank you for listening and join us next week when we're starting a very different series of adventures a taste of the countryside where we're heading out into the wild world in search of wonderful stories of food, farming and wildlife.